It's Monday the 27th of January. I'm Jackie Oatley and welcome to the Athletic Transfer Daily Podcast. We are into our final week before the English transfer window closes on Friday at 11 o'clock in the evening. Our bums are squeaking. The worry is turning to panic due to our club's apparent inactivity in the transfer market. But no doubt they're beavering away behind the scenes. Well, most of us are concerned, we're nervous, we're frustrated, quite possibly all three. If you're not, then lucky you. Well, coming up, we'll hear from reporters out in the field, including those covering Arsenal, Tottenham and Aston Villa as well. But our main guest on the pod today is Laurie Whitwell, the Athletics Manchester United correspondent. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Jackie. Never a dull moment for you at the moment. <laughs> Quiet, <laughs> it's no, it's fan protest, you know, United not, not winning, not signing, but then 6-0 at the weekend, so. Well, because well, on that 6-0, I mean, has that changed anything at all? I mean, his, the, the panic, the, the desperation, the anger about everything to do with Manchester United, has that dissipated an iota since that win? Yeah, it's probably going to uh, help things a little bit. You know, um, I think they haven't scored six since uh, they beat Arsenal 8 2 um, all those years ago. So it does help a little bit, although Tramio obviously weren't, weren't great. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it just sort of keeps the walls from the door for the time being, at least. Talking about keeping the walls from the door, they're playing them on Saturday, aren't they? We'll come on to that <laughs> in a little bit. That's when the panic returns, I think, when they see a double <laughs> triore. But, but um, looking at this morning's David Ornstein piece, he's reporting that. Edinson Cavani is probably heading to Atletico Madrid and that United did inquire about him, but salary and his injury record proved to be unfavourable for them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, totally. I mean, I can see why United would ask the question. He's clearly an elite striker that would guarantee you a certain number of goals, really, um, even at the age that he's at. And I think he would also, you know, provide a good um, sort of role model for the other players coming through, the younger players, Mason Greenwood, for example. Um, they sort of looked at that a little bit with Mario Mandzukic last summer. And I actually thought that, that, you know, he could still have done a job for United from last summer or even in this January window, but he's, he's gone to Qatar now. Um, yeah, and the, the Cavani money apparently was quite significant, you know, in terms of even a, a transfer fee, even though he's only got six months left of his PSG deal uh, and also the wages, you know, would have been putting him as, as one of the top earners at United. So I can understand why United decided for the time being, let's let's walk away from that one. And also from Cavani's perspective, going to Atletico Madrid, playing for a manager like Diego Simeone, you can see the appeal there, Champions League football, etc. Yeah, can see all that makes sense. So what does that mean for them in terms of signing the other striker? I don't know. <laughs> the million dollar question, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we've seen all, all all manner of names linked. Um, I mean, Islam Slamani was one that I think there might have been a check call on. Um, Aldo Nogalo obviously got linked as well. I mean, I was told to lead those two um, sort of where they were. So it, it, clearly something has happened where it's not. You know, they're not going to pursue that. I think a message went out to agents and intermediaries to ask the question as to who United could get on a short term basis um, at fairly short notice um, and you know those names obviously came back um, whether or not they would actually fit a United is another question I mean I've seen Islam Samani play for Leicester um, when I covered them um, and you know he just he, he didn't settle there and it wasn't a great fit at all so I, I think it would be a real risk for United to actually pursue that one if, if they you know if they were going to um, even though it, it seems now that they won't but um, and I can actually see the window closing without them bringing another striker in which I think would be you know, pretty dangerous given obviously Marcus Rashford's going to be out until I think maybe April time. Um, you know, Mason Greenwood obviously is uh, looking really great as a, as a finisher, um, but I don't think they can rely on him for, for, for the goals that they might need. Anthony Marshall has, has, has sort of flitted in and out of form. So 
I think it's a it's a worry really for United about scoring goals, but you know that's where we are. So they have to weigh up not signing somebody who would be either risky in terms of potential injury with Cavani on the massive, massive wages and mm. doing perhaps another Sanchez. Mm. But weighing that up also with relying too much on someone like Mason Greenwood, who you'd think they just want to manage through really carefully. And Daniel James, you think they want to give a bit of a break to. Yeah, absolutely. It is really, really concerning, isn't it? I think so. I mean, it's crazy, really, that they've got to this situation at a club the scale of United where you know they've got you know effectively one experienced striker and that's Anthony Marshall who to be fair has you know played the majority of his career at United uh, sort of on the on the left wing um admittedly he he was a center forward coming through at Monaco and 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 before that at Lille so I appreciate that you know that's where he wants to play but equally to have him as the only guy there to score the goals with with you know that experience even though he's 24 I suppose is is kind of uh, a damning indictment really you know they let Romelu Lukaku go they let Alexis Sanchez go with the idea that they would bring at least one in and Solskjaer said that sort of consistently really that they are a striker light so to get to this stage of the January transfer window and not have a replacement is I don't know I I just don't get it to be fair it's not ideal so you know that Ed Woodward's taking a lot of flack the hierarchy etc people complaining about the Glazers the ownership the way it's all all going but I mean where do they go from here you know I I can understand United's stance in not wanting to um, you know overpay for for players or or to kind of make moves uh, you know bring in somebody that might unsettle the the group but they're obviously at a position where they need they need impetus they need you know quality added they obviously you know, tried hard for Erling Haaland, uh, uh, but ultimately he decided on Borussia Dortmund, you know, for whatever reason, whether you think it's a sporting one uh, from his own perspective, whether you think it's because United didn't want to um, put themselves um, at the behest of, of you know, a, a release clause and, and Mino Rola in particular. Um, mm-hmm. I think you only have to look at the fact that he scored five goals in, in what is it, 61 minutes for Dortmund just to show that he is a, a quality striker and clearly would have worked wonders, you imagine, at United. So, um, I think it does speak to a larger uh, structural issue uh, where you've got Dortmund with a very uh, focused, um, sort of comprehensive plan of how to uh, woo uh, Haaland and also then use him in, in their squad. And United, which doesn't seem to have, have matched up really um, for all the fact that they you know, walked away because of the, the release clause and, and the, the future sales and what have you. Um, so I think really United have to ask serious questions about the people they've got in those positions doing these deals, finding out whether the players and the agents are open to, to moving in advance, um, you know, having the kind of the know-how, the contacts, the the, the leverage to, to make these moves happen well in advance of, of when they need to, because, you know, to begin getting towards the end of January and, and United still to be seeming, you know, to be searching the market to, to find out whoever might be available, just, just smacks of a lack of planning, really. You talked about Anthony Martial before as being the only fit senior striker. Mm. Why do you think he's not fulfilling his potential on a regular basis and being consistent? Yeah, it's a difficult one to to answer. I feel one part of it might be that um, if he was in a team where you had quite a few uh, sort of options in that role, he, he might be able to bounce off them more frequently. He's got a really good understanding with Marcus Rashford, to be fair. A lot of the moves that they do around the box show that understanding, I think. Um, I, I think also just, it's, it's just the way he is. He, he, he is kind of a, a pretty languid character in general. He's supposed to be quite a funny guy around the training ground, but on the pitch you can sometimes see him, you know, get a little bit disheartened and, 
I think he's a striker that doesn't necessarily enjoy the, the physical contact with the centre-back. So uh, he can hold the ball up, certainly, but I think sometimes he kind of... Um, sort of fades out of games if he does get a bit bit of the roughhouse treatment, um, which obviously if you're a centre-forward in England, you, you're going to get. Um, he's clearly got excellent technical ability and, and can finish, although having said that, I mean, his, his miss at Anfield, um, you know, and the, the ones against Burnley as well, um, and then I think he lashed at one at Tranmere before he scored, were, were all sort of symptomatic of a guy that perhaps he's trying too hard, feels a bit too much of the responsibility. So personally, I, I enjoy watching him quite a lot of the time, but there's definitely room for improvement and and you wonder how long it will take to come i read your article with interest about angel gomez who's expected to be the next big thing at united just explain to us why he's out of the picture now yeah it's a funny one um i mean you know he, he was on pre-season um scored a really good goal um over in uh, i think it was asia at the time uh, against spurs and we sort of thought that this season would be the one where he'd get quite a bit of, of, of game time, you know, in the Europa League, in, in, in the cup competitions, you know, perhaps in Premier League as well. Um, he has been injured for a little bit of time, but in the in the main, it's come down to this sort of contract, uh, I guess, impasse where, you know, he's out of contract at the end of the season, so he can he can leave f- for free. You know, if he, if he went to another English club, there'd be compensation, but he can go to a foreign club for, for less money and he can speak to foreign clubs now. Um, and I'm told that there are there is interest from Europe in him. Um, I think it basically boils down to Solskjaer wanting absolute commitment from his players, which I can understand. And so if he's not going to sign a new contract, then Solskjaer's preferred other other players um, who are, you know, committed. We've seen the same thing with Heath Chong. I think they they both were left out of um, the match away to Partizan Belgrade at a time when Solskjaer was, was bringing through quite a, f- a few young players. And that was, I think, at the point where it became clear that they weren't necessarily going to sign the contract proposed to them right there and then. So uh, it was a bit of stick there from Solskjaer. More recently, he's given a bit of carrot and, and given them a little bit of game time. Um, Andrew Gomez came on against uh, Manchester City in the, in the League Cup and against Norwich, um, but they're kind of fleeting moments that they've not. He's not really had a, a massive amount of opportunity. You could you could you know say, well, is he good enough? You know, I can totally understand that point, but at the same time, I think when he's got guys in front of him that aren't really doing the job in terms of Jesse Lingard and Andreas Pereira, I, I would have personally liked to see him given you know more opportunity. Um, so I guess that's where we are. I mean, the crux of the of the standoff. It's kind of a catch twenty two situation, really, because he the, the issue for him is is game time. He, he wants to be able to play regularly, but if he's not going to sign the contract, then Solskjaer seems to have deemed okay. Well, I'm not going to play you as much. So it's kind of you know a, a self fulfilling prophecy almost. Um, so we'll see. I mean, listen, it's still um, open. You know, the, the, I think the contract is still on the table. It's it's up to him whether he wants to sign it. There might still be talks to come. I guess it depends what else out there as an option arrives. Um, so it's not. It's certainly not the fact that he's going to, you know, head off into the distance for certain. But it, it does look increasingly that way when he's left out of games like Tranmere Rovers away in the FA Cup. He's been strongly linked with Inter Milan, Juventus, hasn't he? Also China, but apparently he's got his heart set on moving to Italy. So that's another one who seems to be out of the picture there. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, your budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. Try and everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. 
For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Stitch Fix allows you to save time because they do the shopping for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X co.uk forward slash athletic uh, what about Bruno Fernandes dear old Bruno we keep coming back to this guy don't we in various reports saying the club have gone a little bit cool on their interests bearing in mind Sporting and United are so far away in their valuation David Ornstein's sceptical about it happening what are your thoughts yeah I'm, I can understand David's uh, view totally um, I'm a little bit more optimistic myself um, it just depends on who you speak to I guess um, clearly it's been a long running saga you know dating all the way back to last summer and, and this month sort of no different where you've got the Portuguese press clearly being briefed by Sporting to, to perhaps try and get a deal done. Um, you've got United, to be fair to them, have always been consistent in saying, listen, it's it's not one that's anywhere close at any particular stage, although I think he is, you know, that they, they've, they've had a, a change this month by saying that, you know, he is one that we're in, in for, uh, whereas last summer they were kind of irritated, I think, by the consistent links. The information that I have is that the is one issue is that add-ons that United are proposing, and one of them is, is relating to the Ballon d'Or, you know, whether he wins at United, then Sporting will get, you know, X amount of money, which you know, is a pretty ridiculous clause when you consider that you've had, you know, Ronaldo and Messi share the award for however many years previously. Uh, so um, Sporting, understandably, is saying, well, that's a kind of pointless clause. If you think he's good enough to win the Ballon d'Or, put the money down in terms of if he plays X amount of games for us, uh, which I can understand. So, you know, it's it's kind of that kind of impasse. I, I think it's, you know, it could happen. It, you know, it's, it's kind of close. I think United need it to happen because I think he would just give the whole place a lift. But then again, you know, you know, United have kind of put their stance out that they don't want to overplay for players, you know, which again, I can understand. But there's a time when, you know, needs must really. And he clearly would add something to the squad. In terms of where United go from here, it's a very short journey down the road to the Etihad. They're 3-1 down uh, in the EFL Cup semi-final. What's the thinking there? Are there concerns that they could get absolutely trounced? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, that, isn't it? I mean, do you just try and play for a result that at least saves a bit of grace or do you actually go and try and win the thing you know perhaps with the risk of leaving yourself open to uh, more you know hammering from City um, I think Pep has spoken about it being a, a difficult time for, for them so you know maybe he won't field a totally strong side um, a lack of respect perhaps <laughs> but um you know, I, I think it's it's probably one that again United just want to get through. I think realistically they don't have much hope of of turning that one round. You know, without Marcus Rashford, so you know just lick the wounds and, and move on really without hopefully any more injuries. The idea that City could put out a a relatively understrength side against United in a second leg of a cup semi final should mm. fill United fans with absolute dread and anger, shouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it, you know, if it does come to pass, then it it wouldn't be, um, you know, a a great. Well, it'd be another signal of where United are at, really. I suppose, um, you know, a, a bit tepid uh, of an occasion, given you know United have done pretty well to get there. You know, beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge earlier on, so it'd be a sad end to, to that particular campaign. Um, yeah, it kind of just exposes really United's lack of squad depth. You know, the fact that. 
Tramier lineup was obviously a pretty strong side, you know, didn't really rest many players. Harry Maguire started, you know, Anthony Martial started. So, you know, I think um, it, it just, it, it, that, that should really be a big signal of, of the work that United needs to do. You know, City, for all the fact that United did beat them earlier on in, in the season at the Etihad, it was a kind of counterpunch performance, which I think was, was tactically, you know, spot on and, and, and contained some really impressive performances. But I think ultimately, you know, the, the game um, at Old Trafford in this competition really showed where, where really the both sides are at. City totally dominate possession. United's chances were very much on the break as, as a result of kind of high pressing that, that kind of rushed City into mistakes maybe. So um, I think this is another game where we'll, we'll see the, the difference between the two sides. You would hope that if City do rest key players, that the United players look at the lineup and think, right, that's massive motivation for them to try and prove a point at the very least. But just moving on to the Wolves game next Saturday, back in the Premier <laughs> League, of course, at Old Trafford. They've played each other a lot, haven't they, over the last couple of seasons? They've been mm. very close games. What are you expecting in that one? Yeah, well, obviously your team, Jackie, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think... Um... I think it'll be. I, I I wonder if this one might be the 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 tipping point almost for um for for that you know the the fan unrest um you know if if Wolves perform like they did against Liverpool in the league last week and you know like they have done previously with Adama Troy running riot and 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 Raúl Jiménez looking you know a, a proper striker that he is and I'm told actually the United are you know did did have a look at him but you know the, the money. That w- that would cost w- was was far beyond you know what what they could um, you know perhaps stomach. So I, I do worry for United in in that game just just because Wolves are, are so organised, so they'll be very difficult to break down. Do United have enough about them to do so? And then also, do they have enough you know defensive organisation to to stop what what can be a very fluid attack from Wolves? So it could be a really good game. I mean, I think it's going to be an, a, a yeah a tight one again, but um, yeah perhaps one goal in it. You know, um, but I'm looking forward to it. From a from yeah. a sort of perspective of, of a you know good football match, yeah, I'll be going on air with the darts on Saturday evening just as the closing stages are coming on. So I hope it's not too <laughs> tight eye. in one way. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Um, thank you for now. Busy week ahead for you. Are you allowed to tell us what you're working on next, United Wise? I'm working on a few pieces. Um, I'm doing actually a, a transfer tracker, uh, which might amuse some, some people. So basically, I'm going to try and wrap up all the different names that United have been linked with throughout this window. Um, obviously, you know, far-reaching, some crazy, some more sensible, uh, and just sort of giving a representation of how difficult it is to kind of uh, keep a, an eye on all that stuff and, and kind of gauge what's realistic and, and what's just totally, you know, out there. Because um, I think United are used as a, you know, perhaps a, a negotiating tool by agents, perhaps, and also just the fact that they're so interesting for a lot of people, you know, media organisations might, you know, be more quick to to jump on, on them, you know. So, for example, there was the, 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 the Carlos Tevez link, which I think was originally proposed by, by you know, a really good colleague of mine, uh, Mark Ogden, um, as a kind of speculative suggestion and that got picked up in Italy and then it got picked up uh, in this country sort of as a result of that and it's kind of you know the way these things can can work um, it's just quite amusing sometimes so yeah that's what I'll be working on Um, obviously trying to find out if any United loans might be going out as well actually I mentioned in the Angel Gomez piece about James Garner um, who's I think he probably will go out Um, Blackpool look like perhaps the most likely destination Uh, whether Dylan Levitt as well another young midfielder who's who's very talented he might go out so I'll be, be trying to find out sort of news lines on that as well so I'll, I'll keep people updated if I can great we'll keep an eye out for that thank you Laurie thanks Jackie now let's get some updates from elsewhere starting with James McNicholas on the Arsenal 
the talk today is still about Spanish centre-half Pablo Marie from Flamengo. Now, he flew over to England, landed on Sunday lunchtime, but he has now returned to Brazil. Now, Arsenal insist this is standard, this was absolutely planned and part of normal procedure. And in that case, they are correct. It's very ordinary for a player to undertake medical, sign terms, do all his press photos, things like that, and then return to deal with personal issues, family matters, moving belongings, moving house, you know, these things take time and can't always be done at the speed that transfer negotiations dictate. I suppose the one cause for concern from an Arsenal fan's perspective would be that Arsenal have said all along their intention is to do a loan deal with an option to purchase the player permanently. Now, there are a couple of reasons for that. The first one is financial. Uh, they don't want to splash too much money in January because they are planning on having a big summer and supporting Mikel Arteta in that summer window where they feel it's easier to obtain value. The second reason is that a centre-half, there is a bit of congestion. I know Callum Chambers, of course, is out injured, but you've got to think he's going to come back potentially later this year. William Saliba will arrive in the summer. Konstantinos Mavropanos could return from loan. And then you've already got people like Socrates, Louise. Rob Holding, Shkodra Mustafi, still no sign of an exit for him. So a loan deal does make sense, but Flamengo very bullish that they will only sanction a permanent deal. So it'll be interesting to see how those negotiations play out. In terms of other chance of business, much might depend on the future of Danny Ceballos, who has been the subject of interest from elsewhere, would like to go and play more football, presumably. But Arsenal unlikely to sanction Ceballos' exit without a replacement again they'd be looking at the loan market there. So the latest from Tottenham is that Dutch winger Steven Bergwijn is in London uh, to complete a move. It's not all done yet. The club is still negotiating uh, over a fee. PSV valued the player at around 27 million, um, which it looks likely that Spurs will meet, which potentially, you know, a big move, big move for Tottenham, spending a lot of money, uh, and it will go some way to offsetting the loss of Christian Eriksen. Uh, who is in Milan to complete his 17.5 million move to Inter. Elsewhere, it could be more business for Tottenham uh, before the end of the week. Um, outgoings-wise, Kyle Walker-Peters uh, is a loan target for both Southampton and Crystal Palace, and so a decision will have to be made uh, which one of those uh, he'll want to go to. Victor Wanyama is someone that Tottenham have been trying to shift for a while. Uh, he very nearly moved in the summer, but uh, that collapsed uh, at the last minute. So he's one that will go if, if Tottenham can find a buyer. Danny Rose, there's been a lot of talk about him. We reported that he was fit to play against Watford, but was left out of the squad. Uh, he's subsequently been left out of the squads for the Norwich and Southampton games. So it doesn't look like he's really part of Mourinho's plans. We hear there's interest from uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle, uh, and possibly Watford, who uh, were in for him last summer. But it will just come down to whether you know he wants to, to make a move. He said in November that he absolutely wouldn't. Juan Foyt is someone we reported uh, in December was considering a move if he didn't start to get game time, and he hasn't got game time. So that's one to keep an eye on too. Although it's unclear yet whether Tottenham would be willing, certainly to sanction a permanent deal uh, alone could be possible.
It's Greg Evans here checking in from Aston Villa. Still a little bit of business to be done for Aston Villa and Dean Smith before the close of the transfer window on Friday. Uh, as we know, as we've been reporting for some time, they are still in for another striker. Now, Daniel Sturridge has been linked today. I'm led to understand that there are, there's no substance in that Villa and not keen on the former Liverpool striker now plying his trade in Turkey. So it will be on to other options. Uh, other strikers are under consideration. Villa would ideally like to get a forward with previous Premier League experience that would be um, that would be beneficial for them in their battle against the drop. Uh, obviously signed Ali Samata last week, so if they could get somebody in to support him, that would be a big boost. Uh, there have been links to various other midfielders. My understanding is that Villa won't be signing a midfielder. They obviously signed Danny Drinkwater from Chelsea on loan for the remainder of the season. The only uh, the only option that they potentially would have to sign. Uh, another midfielder would be if they were to move one on in the days ahead. Henry Lansbury potentially being the, the most likely, but at this stage, nothing imminent there. So it might be the case that Villa's only other incoming will be a striker. If they do, it'll be pretty good business, I think, because two strikers, uh, Pepe Reina, the goalkeeper on loan from AC Milan, and Danny Drinkwater, as previously mentioned, some makes up for a, a pretty decent window. Four new arrivals uh, to, to boost Villa's chances of survival. Well, I must say that Leeds correspondent Phil Hay proved to be absolutely spot on in his report on Adam Leventhal's Transfer Daily podcast on Friday. If you recall, he said that striker Jean-Kevin Augustin, a 22-year-old France youth international um, from Red Bull Leipzig, would be signing for Leeds. It has now been confirmed by the club. He signed on an initial loan deal from Germany. So that has been confirmed now. Now for ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code UKPOD. That's it for this edition of The Athletic Transfer Daily. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Athletic Transfer Daily. West Ham, the main focus amongst other news. Bye for now. (music) 